on today's episode of the Bolts broadcast, the downfall of the Bolts historic run. Be tuned. Season 3, episode 75 of the Bolts broadcast. Chase Groshaw and Mike Mitchelson with you today. Chase, how are you? I'm awake. How are you? I am also awake. Yeah. I don't know if uh, the people figured that out by us talking into the microphones, but yes, uh, yes. No, both I, of us present. We, 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 are, we are both awake. Uh, we are both podcasting. We both live to see another day. Um, yeah. Could, could could have been a little more joyful. Yeah. But for reasons that I guess are out of our control, thought they might have been in our control. Well, we were not as joyful. Right? right? Yeah. It did feel like we were in control of it yeah, for a while there. Um, hey, I think it's it's good to bring a positive spin on this episode. Look back at everything Tampa has been able to do. Uh, obviously, it's tough, and we're going to talk about the uh, downfall of what could have been a dynasty. Because what? There's still that possibility that Tampa can still cement themselves as a dynasty. Counterpoint, I'm going to spend everything really negatively and bring people's you know hopes back down and crush your spirits. Hey, there's no point in warm-ups. <laughs> See, that 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 sad tweet... Elliot Friedman was, always was, coming out with it. Was, was, you know, it was funny at first. You know, the first time I saw it, it was, it was funny. And then I kept seeing it and it just kept reminding me, like, oh, yeah, we're that much worse without him. Oh, okay, we're that much worse again today. Oh, mm-hmm. we're going to be that much worse again today. So it was funny the first time, but then it just kept reminding me of, of the actual sad reality that Brain Point was not a warm-ups because he was not playing in this series. Every time I looked into the comments, it was just always the meme or gif of, he can't keep getting away with this. Yeah. Breaking Bad, of course. Yes. Solid show. Um, so yeah, on today's episode of the Bolts broadcast, going to be talking about the Stanley Cup Finals. Go over Game 5 and Game 6. Look back at... What was a historic run over these past uh, three seasons and what we can expect going forward? We're going to be looking at pending free agents for the team. And then after the commercial break, we've got some news to talk around the league. Uh, Next episode, we will be doing a full season in review. Look back on the 21-22 season, what we thought of it. And then we're also going to be talking about the NHL draft. So it's going to be a fun one. Stay tuned for that one. But now we got to hop into the unfortunate end to this historic run. And I say historic run because up until game six against the Colorado Avalanche, the Tampa Bay Lightning went over 1,100 days without dropping a series. And obviously three uh, seasons they were going strong. 11 straight series, two straight cups, and then it ended. But uh, I guess we can start a little bit more on the positive side, even though we know the doom is inevitable. Let's start with game five. A big win for us to take it back to Tampa. I thought going back to Tampa, I'm feeling real good about it. Uh, Didn't turn out that way. But, hey, Andre Palat, another clutch performance from him in game five. And we're going to have to talk about his situation in a little bit. Indeed. Um, so we're just, we're just hopping into game five here, mm-hmm. right? Fair enough. Just just, just want, 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 want to make sure I didn't miss anything in your transition there. Um, still a little, little sad, so you know, sad thoughts are on the brain. But 
it, it, it was nice to, you know, it, it, it was good to get that win, kind of be able to hold on to things and continue to fight. Um, you know, I, I do have to say, I, I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I know I've said it to you and my brother. I've I've bet Valerie Nishushkin to score goals in, like, every single playoff game this year, except for the goal, games he's actually scored in. Like, legitimately, I think I've bet him to score every single game, except for the games he scored in. I should have just kept betting him. Just kept throwing away my money. Maybe we would have. Maybe we would have won the series because this guy killed us a couple times. And you know, this game five, no exception. He, he got on the score sheet. Um, ended up you know winning the game, so it was okay. But got on the score sheet and was someone who was really fighting to maybe maybe be a uh, a Smythe winner. But nonetheless, um, Tampa still really didn't even like deserve to win this game. Like yeah. like they they won, yeah, but. Was it their game? Did did they command it? No, they they, they just kind of did what they could, um, held on and were able to squeeze out of game six. And you know you couldn't really feel so great going into game six based of how, based on how the series had gone up to this point. And there was only one game that Tampa really claimed their own. Yep. Like even in uh, I think it was game four where they looked so great right off the rip, uh, first period absolutely killed it. We know how that ended. It went into overtime. Avalanche completely controlled the rest of the game in the second, third, and in overtime, and that gave them the win. So uh, Tampa, not really a team that controlled any of the games in this series. Uh, but, yeah, Valerie Nichushkin, you mentioned him. He's going to get paid this offseason, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've had people tell me I was crazy for thinking he's going to be seven crazy. and a half, $8 million a year player. But, no, see, you can say that, but you're wrong. He's getting that money. I mean, he's just good. He's mm-hmm. he's just dominant. He, he's a force offensively. He is unstoppable defensively. The, the, the guy's just good at hockey. And, man, oh, it's like it is a better offensive and defensive version of Anthony Sorelli. And Anthony Sorelli's a pretty damn good player from what yep. we realize. So if you can have an even better version of that in pretty much every aspect, I mean, that's a that's a good hockey player. And that's what Valerie Nishushkin is. You know, there was a quote back when Yager was playing in Dallas saying that Valerie Nishushkin was going to be the best player in the world one day. Well, I, he might be the best defensive player in the world. So he, he kind of wasn't wrong. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's incredible that this guy went from 10th overall pick to looking like he was a bust, to finally getting to a system where he could just play and do- just literally dominating. He, he he was dominant every time he was on the ice. He was, he was one of the best, if not the best players on the ice every time he was out there. Yeah, and Jay Fresh Hockey, he posted tweets of Nachushkin is wins above replacement or war percentage uh, prior to being on Colorado and then after. And it went from like 11% to I think it finished at like 98% or yeah. maybe even 100%. Yeah, I think it was 98 was the final. So he's just absurd the improvement incredible. of play once he gets into a comfortable system here in Colorado. Uh, let's talk about game six now. The final game that did end Tampa Bay's uh, hopes and dreams of three-peating. Uh, and like we said, Dynasty still available next year. It's three and four. So there's still a chance for Tampa to and come back and I'm do cu- that. I'm, I'm going to kind of cut you off because that reminds me. They, everyone keeps saying, oh, they didn't win three championships. They're not a dynasty. Well, I, I've long been told that the dynasty was three championships in four years. So why does that change now all of a sudden? It still is, according to Google. Yeah. So And, and all the, the whole time the broadcast is like, oh, Tampa doesn't win three trades, so they're not going to become a dynasty, but they're still you know a great historic team. No, no they still got one more year. Watch yourself. Especially if they come out next year and do what Colorado did this year. Oh. They just win the cup in 
20 games, goes 16-4 or something, absolute dominant fashion. How's that not a dynasty? Like, a slip-up in one series? Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely fair. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll head, I'll head on game six here real quick. We all saw it. We all know what happened. Uh, scored first, then played mm-hmm. like shit, got absolutely dominated, had like four shots in third period, and then lost the game, two to yeah. one. Um Colorado wins the cup. I don't want to talk about their celebration. Good for, good for them, I guess. They're well, I kind of do a little bit because we can talk well, yeah, about. So we, we will. We will talk <laughs> okay. about that. But um, they are 3-0 and in Stanley Cup Finals. They have not lost in the Stanley Cup Finals yet. Congrats. Um, yeah. Um, Until next year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do have to give credit to them. Like, they, they, they played great in this in this game. They were able to. Once they got the lead, they just turned they just turned it off offensively and just dominated defensively. So they still like brought offense, but they just they really shut down Tampa. Didn't really give them an opportunity to generate any offense. Um, it was just two different. It, it was just teams on two different levels. And Colorado really they, they did kind of the impossible. The team that was expected to win it from day one of the season actually won the cup. That doesn't happen in the NHL. That's mm-hmm. very very rare that that happens. But sure enough, they even you know from the start of, of the first day of regular season. To the end of the regular season, even though Florida was the Presidents Trophy winners, everyone's like, "Okay, Colorado's the team that's gonna that's the best team. They're they're gonna win it." Yep. All, all the way through, you know, that was a thought, and it happened. It it doesn't really ever happen that way. Even when Tampa, you know, when the last two years they weren't the favorite starting the season or anything like that. Like they were, you know, one of the favorites, but never like, you know, like the the true just absolute favorite going through the whole year. But Colorado was, they did it. So props to them. Props to Joe Sakic, one of like ten or eleven people to be. Um, double cup winners as a player and an executive, and you know that that's that's great and all, but you know, yeah, I saw. I, a, I, I don't know what else to say. I saw an article on the Athletic. I didn't actually read the whole thing, but it was talking about. It, it's kind of weird to think about the Colorado Avalanche and their rise over this last decade when you compare them to other championship like teams, um, especially in other sports like. The LA Rams, and then uh, in basketball, you have a lot of teams that buy their way to success where the Colorado Avalanche, similar to our Tampa Bay Lightning, it took them a decade. I mean, they got Nathan McKinnon in 2013. We're now sitting in 2022. It was a slow rise, but it was a consistent rise. They kept getting value where they needed it, and slowly they climbed their way up the ladder, and it finally came all together and hit. So that's something that, like Tampa, you don't see very often because how often is a GM like Iserman, uh, like Sackick, how often are they going to be able to put teams together and keep them together for as long as they have? And Julian Breezebois has done a phenomenal job to keep Tampa together. So I just thought it was interesting, the article coming out of The Athletic, because in nowadays, in, in 2020... National sports, that's not the norm. Yeah, no, it, it's it's absolutely it's absolutely fair, and it, it is a great point. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy job. It's a very hard job to be an NHL general manager. Um, you know, if you're right on thirty percent of moves, if if you win thirty percent of moves, you're considered good at your job. So that's free agency, trading, drafting, all that stuff. If you're thirty percent correct, you're considered to be doing a good job, and and that's crazy to think where anywhere else if you're doing thirty percent. Like, is your success rate, you're getting fired. Mm-hmm. It, it just shows how, how hard the job is. So to keep the team together, to build it, 
that slowly to build up to what they are. It really is impressive. Um, it's the same thing over on our end for Eisman and Breezeball combined. They've done one hell of a job. Um, and, you know, to speak to that point with Eisman and Breezeball um, and the whole dynasty thing, really, I guess. So, sure, we don't have three championships right now. But you got to keep in mind, the last eight seasons, so 2015 till now, went to four Stanley Cup finals. Yep. And went to six Eastern Conference finals of eight possible seasons, of eight possible playoffs. That's not bad. That's no, not I wouldn't say bad. so. Um, that's a talented group that has been, you know, built, kept together, stuck around, and had a lot of success. And a lot of the core is still going to be around next year. Like, the, like, it's not like we're losing Kucherov and Stamkos and and Sorelli's getting traded and Sergachev's just going to Russia. The, not, that, that stuff's not happening. Like, as long as we can, you know, talk a couple of free agents that we're talking about, as long as we get to resign them, it's going to be like the same team. Yeah, absolutely. I got some breaking news real quick. Oh, I don't know if you saw, but we'll hop back into Tampa news uh, very quickly after this. But Kevin Fiala, his rights traded to the L.A. Kings for Brock Faber and a 2022 first-round pick. That's going to be the 19th overall pick. Wow. The expected contract is to be coming in around 7.9 annual, according to Elliot Friedman. Wow. That's a big move. That is, that a, is a big move. Big move. That is a defenseman who has really come on and um, stepped up to be a legitimate, you know, top four D pair NHL type prospect. And you know, the nineteenth overall pick maybe in this draft is not as powerful as it was in some previous years, but it's it's still a first round pick. There's still some talented guys there. Um, you know, as long as Brock Faber, you know, pans out how. It looked, you know, he, he looked very good at, at the um, Olympics. It looked very good international play. As long as he pans out, that, that, that'll be great. Um, it's going to be very strong value for Minnesota. But it puts them in a weird spot now. So, of course, you got Kirill Kaprizov. You've got, you know, the, the young Matthew Boldy, the young Marco Rossi. Um, you've got Jesper Walshek coming in. Probably not this season. He's going to play in the American League, I'm guessing, this year and then be in the NHL the following season. But they're, they're going to kind of take a, take a step back and – Sure, I'm, I know you know. There's definitely some older players, like like not necessarily old, but like Dumba and Spurgeon. Like they're guys that have been on the older end. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be losing games, but there's a chance. You know, it may, with especially if they don't, you know, find a goaltender. Um, maybe they have a down year. Maybe they get to have a high pick, and then Walshet steps in, Boldy and Rossi are another year develop. Maybe Kovanov hits like I'm hoping he does, and they just get like a top eight pick next year. Like they're 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 set. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. How do you feel about it when it comes to the Kings side? Uh, obviously, the Kings got into the playoffs this year. Uh, not many people expected them to do that. Obviously, big performances out of Anze Kopitar uh, helped them get back there. Does Kevin Fiala push them over the hump, or or what are you thinking there? I don't know, because I like Kevin Fiala. I it, It's probably too rich for me, the, the, the contract, and then... The price in the trade might be all right. If if Faber turns into a legitimate top four defenseman, then and depending on how the first first round pick works out, mm-hmm. it, it could end up being a, a decent loss for the LA Kings and a good win for Minnesota. But it's not like it's terrible. My my only issue is the contract. I I wouldn't pay him seven point nine a year. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's I, a lot of money. I don't have the term yet, so you see. But if, if it's a two year like type deal like that or like mm-hmm. a shorter term deal. You can live with it, but if it's like six, if it's even five years plus, that's it's too rich. 
And I feel like it's probably going to be hovering around that range if you're going to go out and pay a, a first-round pick and a prospect for him. Yeah. So feels like they're going to lock him down a little bit longer than a you know two-year type of deal. But, again, don't know that for sure yet. All right, Chase, let's talk about Tampa's injury report real quick. Um, it was a long list, that's for sure. We got yeah. the tweet pulling up right now from Joe Smith. Braden Point, significant tear in his quad. Obviously, that's why... He was out of the series. Uh, Will be recovered in a few weeks, he says. Pierre-Edward Bellamar had a meniscus injury going into the playoffs. Anthony Sorelli suffered an AC joint sprain and will need surgery. McDonough, obviously a mangled finger. And then Kucherov also dealing with a meniscus injury. So, some big-name players there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, part of the reason why uh, maybe we weren't performing to the best of our abilities. Yeah, it's it's definitely fair, and and you know it, it reminded me of something. So I got two points. I'll start with the first point. Um, but you, you see this every every year. Teams, you know, teams come out with their injury reports, especially the losing teams. They always do. The winning teams are, you know, they, sometimes they do, but they're a lot more focused on celebrating the Stanley Cup win. So it doesn't happen as often. But people on online are like, "Oh my God, Tampa is using this as an excuse." No, every single team, every damn year releases the injuries that these players are going through. Or not even necessarily releases, but it gets found out what these, what these guys are going yeah. through. It's not unique to them. So you guys need to just shut the hell up. But that reminded me. Um, we, we didn't talk about it in Game 6. I meant to bring it up. I just completely forgot. So at, at, at the end there, with like, you know, 20 seconds twenty seconds left, however much time is left, when the icing was called off last second, uh, with Victor having going back to retrieve the puck, um, at the same time, you know, Kucherov's stick broke in the offensive zone just about 10 seconds before in the most unfortunate timing ever. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not. I, I didn't notice it in the broadcast. I only saw it afterwards. And I know it, it made, you know, a few rounds on Twitter, but Kucherov went to the bench. Play was going on to go get a stick, and the equipment manager just didn't have a I stick for him. So then he like, lost his shit and threw his gloves at him and just kind of, and people were saying he quit on the play. Well, you got to have a stick for the dude. Like, like, like you, you got you to have that stick right for him. You got you to be able to do your job, and I know he, the equipment manager's not. I know he's not, he's not been sleeping well since it happened. One hundred percent. That that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a tough thing, but um, yeah, that's something that had to be pointed out. And then the whole icing being called off, literally, as the puck hits the like the the goal line, is just fucking ridiculous. As a ref, you have a duty to call the game, and you can't just be making you know last second decisions and, sh- and fl- changing your mind on things when you have it as, as a delayed icing the whole time, um, you can't just flip like that. You got to call it an icing or you call it off when it hits like the top of the circle, maybe even the hash marks. It gives a headman time to, you know, like get the puck and, and go back and, and make a play where instead it wasted like five seconds and killed, you know, any hopes that Tampa might've been ready. And maybe even like the equipment manager wasn't ready with a stick because he thought it was going to be a whistle. Um, so that that whole thing was just ridiculous. Uh, I'm not blaming the refs because like they Tampa lost because they were just not good enough. Right. But it still was very frustrating to see that happen. But anyway, those injuries definitely tough. Um, hopefully everyone can recover from it just fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Colorado's injuries haven't come out as much, but do you see the picture in Nishushkin's foot? Yes, that is fudged up. Did you see Mangled. that? Did you see the X-rays of it too? Uh huh. So the outside is just so. Bruise his foot's just purple, mm-hmm. and then the X-rays that the foot's just like it's two different like bones pieces. aren't even connected. No, no, no. yeah. And he, that guy was playing twenty three minutes tonight. Not bad. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> oh, he's my he's my favorite player in the league. Uh, just wanted to go back to Kucherov thing real quick. Um, I feel like anyone who is mad 
and Nikita Kucherov for you know the emotion he's shown. Uh, you must have never been in competition in your life. Yeah. Because even the smallest of competition, if someone else, you know, is part of the reason why you have your downfall in a certain competition, that's going to be a big deal to you. And this was the biggest moment in their season. So, like, it just makes yeah. no sense for people to be upset about that situation. But Agreed. let's not talk about Colorado as they just absolutely mangle the Stanley Cup. The best trophy in sports. They just decide, <laughs> you know what? Let's just n- not care about the thing whatsoever. Uh, we see, how do you pronounce his name? Abe Kubel? Yeah, Nicholas Abe Kubel. He trips and drops the cup on the ice as they're getting ready for a picture. You see all of his teammates' reactions like, holy shit, dude. And then as they're getting off the plane as well, it looks like the cup took a lot more bumps and bruises. Yes, and the cup... Like it, it gets it gets dented every year. It, it get, like stuff happens there pretty much all the time. But keeper of the cup did confirm. Yeah, this is the first time that it got dented on the ice. Um, it usually at least gets to the locker before anything happens to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the cup will always be beat up. They try to hammer it out at, on the fly as they can, but it'll really be fixed up by the time that it's all summer tour is done. Um, yeah, it, it definitely tough to be a guy who. You know, wasn't a full-time player for them. Nope. Scored no points in the playoffs. Um, played in, like, 14 games, I think, to be the one that trips and, and falls. If, like, Landis Cog or McKinnon or Ranton or McCarr did it, like, star players, people aren't, you know, yeah. you're not getting as much heat where, like, you know, the, that guy does it. He didn't tough. even play in game six either. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's tough. Very tough for him. But let's now talk about Tampa Bay's pending free agents. We've got four uh, names that really – uh, participated in this Stanley Cup run. Uh, one was a little bit more because Braden Point was out, that being Riley Nash. But See you also have Andre Pilat, Nick Paul, and Jan Ruda. Riley Nash has no business being in the NHL. That guy was oh. a waste of ice time. I've I been mean, the nicest way possible. He <laughs> brought seem very nice. He brought nothing to us when he was playing in the playoffs. It it, it was unfortunate because the difference between him and Braden Point was just so large. It, it, and it, maybe I'm unfairly judging him because he like he wasn't filling in the brain point role, but like I know that's the guy that was in because of brain point, so maybe that's why I'm judging him so hard. But it was frustrating, and he just it, he wasn't very good for Tampa. So see you later, Riley Nash. Hopefully you get a contract somewhere else. I know you're on the bit on the older side. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll talk about. I don't know. All three. I want all three of these guys to sign. So which one's to prioritize? I guess we'll talk about Andre Palat first. Um, sure. You know he's he's the most. Um, I guess recognized for sure. Yeah, I guess that's that's the fair term for it. So Andre Palat has been a playoff stud as well as a very consistent uh, regular season guy for us. Um, you know, top six forwards sh- scoring type. Uh, obviously, everyone knows Andre Palat here listening to the Wolves broadcast, but he's been one hell of a player. I just don't know what kind of money he's going to command. I can't imagine that um, Breezeball is going to let him walk. You know, w- with where things stand right now. Cap space is is not in a good spot, but you get you get some bonus money in the off season. You get um a you get a bonus ten million to spend over the cap. They have, if I'm not mistaken, they're at like seven uh, like seventy four plus. They have um Brent Seabrook on LTIR, so they can put him on LTIR, get some cap space in the off season, and you know hopefully resign plot, and then from there, of course, Paul and Ruta as well. But it, it's not going to be easy. Um, I, I would have to guess Palat's going to get. North of six million, mm-hmm. um, so from there you gotta make sure you're keeping Paul and Ruda 
under the like combined five million, six million, and that's that's gonna be hard. Yeah, honestly, don't say it. Honestly, before the the playoffs, I would have been fine with letting Nick Paul leave, but I, I think he's probably the one. I want back the most right now. Just, just. I mean, Andre Pilat was amazing. Say you're an Andre Pilat hater. So many clutch. No, I want Andre Pilat back no, just, the second most. I'd rather let Jan Ruda leave. Wow, wow, wow. But Nick Paul just impressed the hell out of me in the playoffs. Like, he was that Blake Coleman type of player, that Barkley Goudreau type of player that really showed that spark uh, when we needed it a little bit. At, at times, he looked like the best player on the ice. I think it was... Uh, game four after the first period, like no one was doing anything except for Nick Paul. So mm-hmm. this is a guy that I want really bad, uh, want back really bad. Um, I think it would be much smarter to prioritize Andre Palat because he's a guy that can put up, you know, 40 points a season and can be a really clutch performer at the end of games like we've seen in uh, multiple occasions as playoffs. But Nick Paul really impressed the hell out of me. No, it's absolutely fair. And if you're letting one walk between this three, it's it's got to be in Rudo. You got to hope that Cal Foot can step up and you know m- make a bigger impact. Maybe um, hope that uh, you know may- maybe we can see a surprise from from a Jack Thompson or Declan Carlisle. Maybe maybe one of those guys. Maybe uh, I mean, really looking at the decor, it's really not much other than that. Maybe Sean Day. Sean Day, can, baby, can let's go. <laughs> um, you know, whereas uh, up front, there's really again no one else that I, I would consider like NHL ready type guys that. Are just there in the system, you know. Maybe Cole Kepke can um, see some time. He's going to see some time in the NHL next year, but I can't imagine him being like a, a roster guy. So it's it's an interesting spot. You got to figure out the priorities. Um, it's Plot and Paul are, are the two for sure, and it would be nice to, to keep Ruda around. Um, it's just not going to be easy. I, I don't I don't want Bogosian in the lineup. I really don't. So yeah. I, we need to try to find a way to keep keep Ruda as well. You know, just looking at at salary cap here, thanks to our friends over here at Cap Friendly, um, it, it, it's tough when you realize that is you know as much as I like Alex Killorn and you know he I've talked about it in previous seasons he's he's surprised me and played better than than I expected of him. But no goals in this playoffs. Thirty two years old, one year left on his deal. Um, he's eating up five point four percent of our salary cap. I mean. If that's a guy you can get anything for, maybe you consider it because mm-hmm. you can't go in with the, pretty much the same team. Um, it, like you, it's not, it doesn't work out that way. Like you, you got to make a couple changes. So ho- hopefully, you know those changes can be made. Maybe you can trade a guy like Alex Kalorn, get something solid in return. Maybe get a defenseman that can replace Gan Root if we need to. Um, right. And things to work out from there. But I, I don't know. There's, it's gonna be figured out. I got. Full trust in Breezeball. The guy's good at yep. his job. Um, whatever he does, I am going to stand by him, um, support him that way. I just, I, I really don't know what, what's going to happen. I really don't know what to expect. I would expect to see Pilat and Paul sign for sure, and I would assume he's going to prioritize Ruta too, but I just don't know where the money's exactly going to come from. Yeah, and this is where we got to see the aggression out of Breezeball because next year you're looking at Anthony Sorelli coming up. You're looking at Ross Colton, Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Chernak, some big-name guys uh, coming up to get paid. So we really got to be aggressive this offseason, go for that three and four, cement ourselves as a dynasty, and then take it from there. This is this is really about the – like it, it, this the next season might be re- the real last year at that final push, which yeah. the, a, lot, a lot of the guys can be kept around, but – 
let's be honest. Ryan McDonough's not playing through that contract here. He, he, he just, there's no way he can. He, he, he underperformed. Um, he's eating up 8% of the salary cap right now, 8.2. He, he just, he, he, four more years of that until he's 37. He, he can't, he can't keep playing on that. It, it's it's got to be eventually. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year because I don't think it's going to happen this year, but at some point, a buyout or a trade is going to have to happen. There's a lot that has to happen in the future it's, to keep us going after next year, but it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Just yeah. looking forward oh. to, uh, this next season and, Coming off the cup next year, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be wild to see what what kind of gymnastics um, that Breezewell is gonna have to pull off. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna go to a quick commercial break. After that, some news around the league. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Any sports betting needs you have, make sure to head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, Chase, before we get into some of the news that we're going to be talking about, Kevin Fiala, we got the official terms here. $7.875 million on average for seven years. Oh, oh, good for you, Kevin. Good for your agent, but... Um, oh, Rob Blake, what are you doing? Also... A total of $16 million will be paid as a signing bonus. We also have a full no-move clause in years two through four, and then a limited no-trade clause in years five through seven. Does, does it say the team number for five through seven? It does not. Hmm. Interesting. So the reason that there's not any sort of trade clause in year one is because he's still technically an RFA. Um, like, if his contract were to, like his contract runs up the season, so he's an RFA. So he has not hit that threshold that he needs to um, of 27 years old or seven years in the league to get that um, no trade clause status. So he can't get it till year, year two makes sense. Full no trade clause with that money. It's, it's really banking on him being a, a 75 point guy. Like, like that, that's, that's the type of number I'd expect with how that team's going to be in the sport that really could be around him. As long as everyone develops the right way, which things, you know, it could go south Right now, Byfield and Turcotte are trending in the wrong direction, but they're still guys I have a lot of faith in. So if things go right, he's going to have a great supporting cast around him. So he's going to kind of have to be that guy eating that kind of salary. Is he going to be? I don't. I don't know. I. I. Re- he feels just like really more of a guy who I would consistently trust for sixty points each year, which is great. Sixty points is is a lot. It's, it's great in the NHL. So it's top league in, in the world. But that's not a guy you pay nearly eight million dollars a year to. Yeah, hey, big, huge actually. 
congrats to Kevin Fiala because he hit that huge year, that amazing season, 85 points in 82 games, and it is the contract season. It's really crazy that, um, you know, he – was seeing ice time with Kirill Kaprizov and a really hot Matthew Boldy, and he was scoring a bunch. It's crazy. <laughs> right? Uh, so those were the official terms. Let's now take a look at Zdeno Chara and his situation. Uh, not officially retired, not officially playing. Still up in the air. Yeah, he sounds like he's going to make his decision. C- kind of come September, he'll he decide if he wants to you know continue playing, whether it be here overseas or if he wants to retire. I got the feeling he's going to retire. I think he's accomplished more than enough in his career. You know, he's got the cup win as as a captain. Um, he's played a very long career. He's had a very successful career, the tallest guy in league history. Um, he's got all all this going for him, and more power to him. Like he he's still he's still playing as a usable roster player, well into his forties, which is, is very hard to do. But you know, maybe, maybe it's time for him to, to call it quits. You know, his body doesn't need to be taking that abuse. Since time with your family, relax, retire. If you want to stay involved in hockey, maybe try to get a front office job. You've been around the league. You're well-respected. You'll, you'll be able to. But if he does continue to play, hell, Tampa, 700, you know, league minimum. If it's still 700 next year, I think it's going to be 750. But league minimum deal, I, he played on it this year, so why not? Yeah. I, I kind of hope he retires, though. I, that's fair. I mean, I don't I don't want him to, to go out on an AHL roster. But – I mean, if Yan Ruta isn't kept around, he's better than Zach Bogosian. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, and if he could be the, the sixth, seventh guy, can play him 40 games, and then you put him in the playoffs, and he's a rock-solid penalty killer, great. I'm all in for it. I'm there you go. all in for it. All right, let's not talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame. Actually, Barry Trotz. We'll talk about him first. Yeah, uh, let's. let's. He decides he's going to take the year off, which you and I were talking about Trotz very well linked to Winnipeg. Yep. Winnipeg gave him a, a offer for the job. And you and I, not a big fan of that. Because uh, even though Barry Trotz, great head coach, we like to see players like Kyle Connor have a ton of offensive success. Barry Trotz's system doesn't necessarily lend a hand to the high-skill offensive players. A um, little bit worried on what could happen to the likes of Kyle Connor, but now, that worry not necessarily there as Barry Trotz decides, not this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And granted, he gets results and he he builds winning teams, very very strong teams, and he always has. But it definitely does kill the funness of of watching his teams play. So it, it's 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 for the best. He's got one more year left on his contract with with the Islanders. So coaching contracts are fully guaranteed unless there's a reason that it's terminated. Um, like other than just performance. So he's still got four four million dollar payment payment coming this year. Not bad. So yeah, not not bad to just take a year off and get paid four million bucks. So he'll take that year, reevaluate. Probably he probably looked at the options. Felt Winnipeg was the only good one to him, and didn't like it enough. He realized, oh wait, it means I got to live in Winnipeg, and you know may, maybe he doesn't want to quite live in Winnipeg after you know getting to live in in, in some some different places like Nashville and, and Washington D.C. and and yeah. in New York. I don't know, uh, just speculation, but. He'll be in the market next year. He's going to coach in the NHL again. I would safely say that, but taking a year off, I don't blame him, especially when you're getting that payday still. You think the Hockey Podcast Network would pay us four mil to take a, a year off? I don't think so. <laughs> no. I, it, it's not impossible. We can ask, but I don't, I don't True. think so. We could ask. Uh, not saying that, you know, we, we would leave the Bulls broadcast fan base, but. Well, they should pay if, us four million anyway. Yeah, if they want to pay us four million to take the year off, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you guys would have to sacrifice a little. Come on, help yeah, us out. I, I, I think I think they'd understand. All right, Hockey Hall of Fame class announced, headlined by a couple of legends from Vancouver. Is that what you would call them? I would. Well, I mean, we call them Hall of Famers because that's what they're going to be. Yes, they indeed are Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, three in specific that are very notable: uh, Vancouver Canucks and Roberto Luongo, and of course the Sedin twins, Henrik and Daniel. Um, it really is incredible. The, there's never been a twin tandem, you know, quite like this in really in sports that I've ever seen at, at mm-hmm. any level. Like they are just utterly dominant. So we're a little slow starting in the NHL, but we're just incredible players. Once they finally got comfortable and hit, hit their stride and got into their prime, we're, we're just absolutely dominant. So not a surprise that their first ballot guys, Roberto Luongo, um, again, an, another great career. Um, I don't think he won a cup though, if I'm not mistaken. So, I, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong that he's in, oh. but this means that Lundqvist has to be a first ballot. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like it, it has to lock that in, and that wasn't a for sure thing because it, it's talked about all the time. Goalies have a hard time getting in without cup wins, and it's I understand why. It's the same thing with quarterbacks. Like, if, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you don't have a Super Bowl win. Like, how good were you? Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand it, but uh, he, he's still deserving just based on his pure talent and just his personality. Like Lou was awesome. What a guy. Yeah, a- absolutely awesome. But other than that, um, Daniel Alfredson, longtime Ottawa Senator, um, you know, captain of the team. He also gets in. And then on top of that, um, I don't know why this article is not showing me the rest of the names, but um, I know, I know Herb Carnegie, he got in as builder. Um, he was like one of the pioneers for black hockey players. Um, he never got to play in the NHL because of how because uh, of, of how the sport was divided back then. But he was really um, a, a pioneer of the game. And then, of course, Rika Salonen, uh, longtime successful women's hockey player for Finland, played internationally for them, played in, in the top Swedish women's league, played in the top Finnish women's league, um, had, had a very dominant international career. You know, over twenty three Olympic games, twenty five points, over forty five World Championship games, sixty points. Uh, you know, very decorated women's hockey player. So, congrats to this class. All names that are that are deserving. You know, maybe if I had to point out one thing, maybe Daniel Robertson shouldn't have been. If I'm not mistaken, this was his first year, so like it makes him a first ballot Hall of Famer. Maybe he shouldn't have been that. Um, you know, there's other names like Alexander McGinley, uh, Henrik Zetterberg that I, I personally would have put in over him, but it, it's, you know, it's fair that he's in there. He's a very, ta- very talented, good hockey player, but you know, I, I think it was Jay Fresh put it out. Uh, brings up the point where, you know, what, what would you rather see? I know my answer, but what would you, would you rather see the hall of fame be a very exclusive class that very, very few players get in. It's very difficult, tough criteria or a more open class that celebrates um, a lot of very talented players that played in the league, like the Daniel Robertson or maybe the Patrick Marlowe's very exclusive. Yes, I, I agree. 1000%. I, I, I think it should be very difficult to get into, um, you know, maybe Daniel Robertson is some, a guy that would miss that cutoff in mind. Like Patrick Marlowe still misses that cutoff, you know, f- for me, but it's not like it's someone I'm going to get super mad about being in because he was a very good player. But <coughs> oh, oh, he's dying. Uh, I am dying. Just, I, I got a lot of saliva oh. and just inhaled. I'm sure, they love to hear oh, that. Oh, yeah, and just inhaled a bunch that I tried talking. But anyway, uh, it, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it, it's an overall deserving class. It's not like anyone's just like, why the hell are they getting in? I, I, I can't be too mad about this at all. I just wanted to compare Lou to Lundquist, look at their stats overall. 
I don't know if it's because Lou had a little bit more longevity at 19 years compared to Henrik's 15 years, but you look at the two in comparison uh, when it comes to actual awards. Roberto Luongo, two-time All-Star, and won the Jennings in 2010-2011. Never won a Vesna? Nope, never won a Vesna. Henrik Lundqvist, two-time All-Star as well. 05-06 All-Rookie Team, and then the 2011-2012 Vesna winner. When you look at their actual numbers. Never won a Jennings? Never won a Jennings, no. <laughs> uh, actual career numbers, you've got Henrik Lundqvist, over 15 years, had a 918 and a 243. Not bad. Luongo, over 19 years, had a 919 and a 252. So slightly oh, better save percentage, slightly worse goals against average for Luongo. Yeah, and I, I, I still I mean, I give it to, to Longquist. He, hey, he yeah, Hank should definitely be in there. Yeah, uh, but in, interesting. Definitely interesting. All right, now the Blackhawks, they named their official head coach. What what was it? Number 40. 40? Yes. Okay. 40th in franchise history. Luke Richardson, uh, hired from the Montreal Canadiens, so they got to fill that assistant role. Uh, I don't really know, honestly, like a, a ton about the guy as a coach, um, but... You know, hats off to him. You know, congrats on the job. Not going to be a super, you know, easy role to fill because you're taking over this team that's kind of a PR nightmare, at, yeah. at, you know, at the moment. Um, so it's, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, best, best of luck to him going forward. Um, I was going to give a scenario, but I, I don't think that probably actually be the best. So I'll okay. give it to you off air. Okay. Uh, let's not talk about... <laughs> Tampa Bay assistants Jeff Halpern and Derek Lalonde likely to be interviewed by Detroit for coaching positions. Uh, this is, I think, fun, but also a little bit tough uh, being a team or a podcast that covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. You don't yeah. want to see this staff be broken down, but to see new coaches getting opportunities by their former boss, former GM Steve Eiserman, it's pretty fun to look at. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it makes sense because, you know, he he was he oversaw the hires of you know when John Cooper brought in these two. Um, Jeff Halpern's more recent to the coaching game because he's a you know a pretty recently retired player. He only coached for like a year before he got on Tampa's coaching staff. Whereas um, Lalonde has been coaching for quite some time, and it, it's two, you know two different players, two different paths. Um, it's it's good for them, and it makes sense that familiar, familiarity. Sure, I'd rather see. Tampa, um, keep our staff together, keep as many guys together as possible. But I got to imagine that somebody's one of one of these two are going to get an opportunity coming up soon because you know they've they've been coaching underneath the best coach in the league. They've um, mm-hmm. you know had some successes with power play penalty kill. Sure, they've had some downs as well, but they've they've had success. You know, the team's gone to the cup three years in a row for a reason. It's not just the head coach. The assistants are very well a part of that too. So they're bound to get opportunities. Um, it, it's. I, I really I really don't know for sure if it's going to happen this year, though. You know, I, I know that the Red Wings, Steve Eisman, are taking their time. Um, I really feel like it's going to be someone off the radar that we're just not expecting at all that gets the job. But who knows? Now that the Cup Final's over and these two guys can be interviewed, um, we're still looking at job openings in Boston and Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those teams look this way as well. Hey, I love this because we see it a lot in the NFL where understudies of phenomenal head coaches actually get a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many coaches have we seen out of the Sean McVay coaching tree and McVay himself has only been coaching five six years yeah so I love to see that the NHL not really used to that so it's very nice to see a little bit of a change here coming in 
from Detroit. Absolutely. All right, that's it for the show. Hockey name of the day now. A little Ooh, bit of a longer show. Fun fact. Um, so I'm on Luke Christian's EP page. So his brother-in-law is Jeff Chickren, which makes Jacob Chickren his nephew. Oh. Yeah, so. some Chickren to Chicago. Yeah, confirmed. Guaranteed. Confirmed. Eesh. There's that a Brinkett trade right there. Yeah, how about that? That'd be weird. It would be. All right, hockey name of the day. We've got Tony Alushery. Nail it? Oh. Alushery? Tony Alushery. Yeah, I hit it. Tony Alushery. He's French. Alushery. 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 We went to a, (laughs) you say that with the pronunciation and everything. We went to a Mexican restaurant called El Jalisco um, down while we were in Kentucky this weekend. And my mom's like, what's this place called again? Jalisco's? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> At least attempt. It, like, uh, how do you say jalapeno? Exactly. Jalapeno. Do that. Exactly. <laughs> so, sorry. Continue. Oh, that's too funny. So, our boy Tony Alucheri is a 27-year-old French defenseman currently playing over in France. Played in the second league last year. Uh, had 18 points, three games for Brest, I guess is how it would be pronounced. I don't know. Um, this year, he's going to be playing in the top French league for Briançon. Um, someone that has not played internationally for French in, in the past, um, just been kind of a lower level type guy for them, but has built his way up 27 years old. Maybe someone that can play there one day, but for now it just seems like this is the last time we'll be hearing from him. All right. Not bad. All right, Chase, let's now end the show. It's been a long one, but I think there was a, a lot of good conversation to come oh, out yeah. of it, including the fact that, Hey, the dynasty absolutely still on the table all right that's gonna do it for the show thanks so much for coming out chase hit him with an outro yeah as always we'd like to thank you guys for listening check us on patreon really appreciate it if you want to follow us on twitter at bolts broadcast it's at bolts broadcast so you can follow the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockeypodnet that's at hockeypodnet while you're at follow wmp on twitter wmp sports pod that's wmp sports pod make sure the hockey podcast network.com you can find all the podcasts network right there boom click the logo that's an easy peasy lemon squeezy wherever the same career is five stars send us your questions comments concerns we really appreciate it wherever you do not forget to use code teach pan for several things thanks so much for stopping by we'll talk to you next time